The following sermon is from Grace Church East County. More information about Grace Church is available at gracechurcheast.org. Psalm 1. There are Bibles in the back. If you'd like one, if you need a Bible, take one, please. Psalm 1. Basically about the middle of your Bible. Next week, we begin the book of Exodus, which I'm excited about. Today, we begin the new year, as we always do, talking about what's called the spiritual disciplines. The spiritual disciplines. Every year, for 10 years, we've taken at least a sermon to talk about the spiritual disciplines. These are practices that God gives us to experience His sustaining, empowering, transforming grace. Today, I want to remind us of the importance of the personal intake of Scripture. And relatedly, we have a gift for you today. It is this book by Donald Whitney entitled Praying the Bible. We have one for everyone, I'm pretty sure. So please take a book with you. There's a stack of them at the information table behind that curtain. Praying the Bible, a nice, simple way to help you connect your Bible reading with prayer to God, which we'll talk more about today. So that is for you as a gift. I'd like to pray for our God's help, and Michael's going to come and read our passage. So let's pray together. Spirit of God, we ask you to open the eyes of our hearts that we might behold wonderful things even now in your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 1. <clears throat> Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Thank you, Michael. What would be, friends, the good life for you in 2023? What would that look like? What would the good life be for you for the coming year? Have something in mind? Might be a new job. Maybe the job is hard right now. A change would be great. Or maybe the good life would be Good finances in 2023. I'm, I'm all for that. I understand that. That's important. Maybe the good life would be travel or the dream vacation. That's a nice thing. Maybe the good life would be good physical health. Perhaps you've been battling an illness, sickness, or injury. It's very, very understandable that the good life would involve good health. Maybe the good life would be good relationships, a better marriage, 
a better relationship with your kids, a better relationship with your parents, or maybe a new relationship with someone. I hope and I pray all those things are good for you in 2023. The job, the finances, maybe a vacation, the health, your relationships. I hope all those things are good for you in the new year. But Psalm 1 holds out something even better. Psalm 1 holds out the good life, I would say, as God defines it. Psalm 1 holds out specifically the, the blessed life, you might say. That's how the psalm begins. It begins, blessed is the man or blessed is the person. You see, this psalm is an invitation to blessedness, you might say. Spiritual happiness. A, a deep satisfaction of soul. That's how I would describe this. A deep satisfaction of soul. That is the good life, biblically defined, held out to us here by way of contrast. Really, you might see it as three contrasts. But I, I want to acknowledge that I'm approaching this sermon rather differently. I, am wanna, I want to give an overview of this psalm, and I want to do it backwards. I want to work from the end up and then really land on one verse. So yes, I'm coming with a purpose here. I want to work backwards, give an overview, and then land on one particular verse, and I think you'll see why. But let's see the good life, this blessed life, through three contrasts. First, the contrast of ends. The contrast of ends. Verse 5, please. Verse 5 reads, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the Righteous. So those not reconciled to God will not stand in the coming judgment, that final day. They will not be found in the congregation, the assembly of the righteous. Their way will perish in verse 6. Physicist Niels Bohr once said, Prediction is difficult, especially about the future. I think appropriate words for today. What will happen in 2023 is difficult, if not impossible, to predict. But here is a prediction that will most certainly come to pass. We will all stand before God one day. We will stand before God in the judgment of verse 5. The book of Revelation describes it as books being opened on that day. Books containing what we've said or done. Books are opened. We are judged by what's contained in those books. Yet, thanks be to God, another book is opened on that day. The Lamb's book of life, Jesus's book of life. And I think we get a hint of that in verse 6. For the Lord, the, the covenant name for God, the personal name for God, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. And that doesn't mean God knows about you. It's more than that. That means he knows you with, with affection and, and approval. The covenant-making, relationship-making God knows you with his affection and his approval. So this is possible only through what we celebrated at Christmas. God the Son taking on our humanity to obey in our place, die in our place, 
and rise in our place that we might be reconciled to God. So certainly we should say the good life, this blessed life, well, it is fundamentally life in Christ. It is because of Jesus. It is as we turn to Christ and trust in his life, death, and resurrection, first and foremost. That's the contrast of ends. And then second, a contrast of fruit or result. A contrast of fruit, secondly. Look at verse 3 now, working up in this psalm. Look at verse 3. He, this blessed person, he, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Now the blessed person is a tree in an arid dry climate like ours, but planted by streams of water, essentially irrigation canals. That's kind of the picture. Irrigation canals. So life-giving water constantly flowing to the roots of this tree, despite the harsh environment. That's how it yields its fruit in its season, its leaf not withering. Don't you want to be a tree like that? Don't you want to look like that in 2023? Whether the rains come or not, whether the job changes or not, whether the money comes in or not, whether the vacation happens or the health improves or the relationships improve or not, either way, you're fruitful. Either way, your, your leaf does not wither. Either way, your soul prospers. I want that to be my experience. By contrast, by contrast in verse 4, the wicked, it says, are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Chaff is the dry, weightless husk around the kernel of grain. They didn't have machines to separate the husk from the grain, so they would, at harvest time, toss the grain up into the air so the wind would blow the weightless chaff away. You know, teenagers, kids, young people, it's possible for the fruit of your life to be like chaff. It's possible for the result of your life to be weightless or meaningless in an eternal sense. That life might look impressive now. It might look like the life of your favorite influencer online. But outside of Christ, friends, outside of Christ, the fruit, oh, it just vanishes, doesn't it? There's nothing lasting, nothing substantive eternally. You might ask yourself, teenagers, kids, what describes my life? Leaf not withering? Soul prospering because I'm rooted in Jesus? Or does it look more chaff-like right now? That's the contrast of fruit. But what explains the difference here? 
you see this kind of two ways to live almost in this psalm. What, what is the difference maker in Psalm 1? Well, it's a contrast of instruction, I would call it. In this psalm, it's a contrast of instruction. Look at verse 1, please. Verse 1. Blessed, this spiritual happiness or satisfaction, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel or the advice, or you might say instruction, of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So here's what the blessed person doesn't do. They don't walk in that instruction, that counsel. They don't stand in the way of sinners in the sense of following their way. They don't sit in the seat of scoffers, perhaps picturing, perhaps a kind of downward spiral, a kind of increasing settledness into sin, walking, standing, sitting. By contrast, in verse 2, by contrast, his, this blessed person, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Do you see the very different source of instruction here? As opposed to the counsel of the wicked in verse 1, now the, the blessed person delights in the, the law, the Torah of the Lord, of Yahweh. And when you see law here, don't don't merely think first five books of the Bible, first five books of Moses. Torah here also has a broader meaning of instruction. That's probably a better sense right here in this context. His delight is in the instruction of God, in all of God's word, including God's law. See, this psalm, it, it simplifies life, doesn't it? It simplifies life into whose instruction is most influencing me? Who or what is most shaping my life? Who or what is most discipling me, we might say? Are you being most influenced by Fox News or CNN or your favorite person on TikTok or God? And his word. Who, whose influence, whose instructions most shaping you? Everything in this psalm, everything in Psalm 1 turns right here. So I want to take a deeper dive into verse 2. I want to, having done an overview of the psalm backwards, I admit, I want to take a, a deeper dive into this one verse, verse 2. I want to think about this verse in two categories to help us. Heart and habit. Heart and habit. I say heart because of the word delight in verse 2. This blessed life flows from a certain delight, certain disposition of heart. We tend to think, I can think sometimes, that following Jesus is just this intellectual thing. And so spiritual growth happens automatically by the intake of more information. So I just get more and more and more inter inter information, I can say it, more and more information, more blog posts read, more Twitter feeds read, more information than that equates to spiritual growth automatically. And that's important to have. But spiritual growth 
doesn't just happen from more information alone. We are people with desires. We are people with loves. And we live out of those loves, our delights. Proverbs 4 says, keep or guard your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put that verse into today's terms. It would read, guard your heart, for it is the steering wheel of life. Uh, steering wheels are not, not something to give a lot of attention to. You probably don't take someone to your car and say, look at my steering wheel. What a great steering wheel. But if you're driving down the freeway at 65 miles an hour and you yank the steering wheel over, you can have problems. Why? Because the entirety of the car's direction is determined by the steering wheel. That's how it is with our hearts. The entirety of our lives, shaped by, directed by, our hearts, our loves, our delights. So the good life, you might say, involves a, a heart of delight in God and his word. A, a, a blessed life spiritually for 2023. It's going to mean for me, and I hope for you, cultivating a heart of delight in God and his word. It might be helpful to assess, has something else captured my heart, my delight? For me, I find the news in the morning can be a greater delight than God's word. So get up in the morning. What's most interesting? I better check Better check New York Times, better check the news feed. Oh, and better check my email. Those become the great delight for me. I'm not saying those are wrong necessarily, but in 2023, I want to make sure I'm prioritizing this particular delight in this word more than my delight in the New York Times or what have you. What about for you, friends? Maybe an adjustment of heart needed in any ways? If so, pray the words of Psalm 19, verse 10, which says of the scriptures, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. I was praying this this week. God, make your word more desirable to me than, than any amount of wealth, any amount of finances, Make your word sweeter to me than any food or the news or the email or whatever. Or pray through, pray through Psalm 119. This would be a great thing to do in the coming year. Pray through Psalm 119, the longest psalm in the Psalter, the longest chapter in the Bible devoted to extolling the virtues of God's word. That, that's the heart we need, friends. And then out of that heart, a habit. A habit I'm wanting to highlight for you in verse 2. Notice the habit here. It says, his delight is in the law of the Lord, the instruction of God. And on his law, on his instruction, on his word, he meditates day and night, habitually, regularly. This word meditated means kind of to mutter, 
So imagine kind of muttering to yourself, pondering the Word of God, thinking on it, mulling it over, we might say, mulling it over. It's often likened to a cow chewing its cud. Cows, as I understand it, chew their food, they swallow it, they bring it back up, chew it some more, swallow it some more. It's kind of gross. That's cow digestion. This is spiritual digestion in verse 2. Pondering his word. Thinking on it. Mulling it over. Asking questions of it. What are the implications? And doing so day and night, habitually, regularly. This is what we call a a spiritual discipline in verse 2. A spiritual discipline. There are others like prayer, fasting, rest or Sabbath outreach, evangelism, and corporate disciplines like gathering like this for worship on a rainy day. Your soul is being helped today. Disciplines like fellowship together in your small group or your Bible study. Disciplines like worshiping together under the preaching of God's Word. These are disciplines by which, by which you might say you practice your faith. You practice your faith. You You put it into practice. Sometimes we talk about people being a practicing Christian. Are you a practicing Christian as if there was a non-practicing option? I think that would be like the famous rant by basketball great Allen Iverson, who once said in a news conference, I'm supposed to be the franchise player. We're in here talking about practice. We're talking about practice, not a game, practice. That's not the kind of practice I mean. I mean, these disciplines put your faith into practice. They put it into gear as a means of communion with God. That's the goal we as elders want to set before you this morning. Communion with God. Habitual communion with God in 2023. Now, that word communion, it might sound kind of esoteric. Like some experience you're always chasing, but never sure you're having. And I can think that way. So I was helped by the great Puritan theologian John Owen in his book, Communion with God. This is the abridged, simplified version, but I would recommend it. Owen teaches you how to have communion with each person of the Trinity. But Owen says communion with God is just about communication. You sort of hear the relationship in those words. Communion with God is not esoteric. It's about communication with God and God's communication with you. It's God communicating himself to you and you communicating back. The Father communicating his word. The Son communicating his grace. The Spirit communicating in his word. And we communicating back in faith, in love, in hope, in prayer, etc. Well, Psalm 1 verse 2 is a picture of that kind of communication. Communication in and through God's Word. Now, you have an insert prepared by my friend Joshua that gives you some ideas and specifics on communion with God in and through His Word. Don't read it right now. Turn it over. Take some more notes. And next week, Joshua is going to teach a little class after our service on what's called the Lectio Divina. It just means divine reading. It's basically doing this with a little more detail and substance and specificity. So set aside some time next Sunday for Joshua's class. I want to give you a few practical recommendations 
as we close here. A few practical recommendations for this habit. So we're thinking about heart, and we're thinking about a habit for communion with God. Let me give you a few recommendations. First, very simply, prioritize Scripture in this habit. Prioritize Scripture in this habit. Psalm 1 here, the blessed person has this priority of God's instruction, God's Word. So, so prioritize God's Word even over other important, helpful, devotional books or maybe any book at all. Many, many good books, many other helpful devotionals that others have written, which I think are helpful supplements. Helpful supplements, good supplements. But realize when you read someone else's devotional material, they've already done the meditation for you. It's like pre-digested food, all right? You need some nutrition straight from the Scripture yourself, from your own meditations. So prioritize Scripture and have a plan for doing so. Be intentional. It doesn't need to be someone else's plan, but have some plan, some intentionality. For me, I like a Bible reading plan. So we posted a number of them on our blog. I like that because it gives me structure. I'm inherently lazy. I need structure. My wife likes to soak in a book of the Bible, and I think she benefits greatly from that practice. Whatever your plan is, have a plan, be intentional, prioritize scripture. Secondly, I want to encourage you to include the Psalms. In Psalm 1, the blessed life is here delighting in, meditating on God's instruction, but Psalm 1, really with Psalm 2, are the gateway to the entire Psalter. The gateway, the doorway to the book of Psalms. Psalm 1, beginning with blessed, Psalm 2, ending with blessed. Together, they're kind of the doorway to the entire Psalter. So in context, Psalm 1 particularly has delighting in, meditating on the Psalms, especially in view, not exclusively. I think that's helpful and important because in the Psalms, God gives us words to commune with Him. That's why I love the Psalms. Communion with God doesn't get any easier. He gives you the words to communicate with Him. He gives you communion with Him on a platter. I need that. Words which cover the entire emotional spectrum. Whatever you face in 2023... There's a psalm for it, actually probably multiple psalms for it. For me, this past year, recent months, I have been helped by shifting to much greater psalm meditation. I found my devotional life becoming kind of a, more of a study time. And I think study is important. I think study is good. But I was losing my delight, I found. And Joshua made a great recommendation he encouraged me to start using the daily office of the Book of Common Prayer. And it has readings which go through the entire Psalter every seven weeks. So it's heavy psalms. And I have loved that. My delight has returned as I'm communing with God in His Word. And there's an entire chapter in this book that you need to pick up, because we don't want to take them home, entitled Praying from the Psalms. So prioritize scripture, friends. Include the Psalms. And thirdly, and most importantly, remember the privilege. Remember the privilege. 
This is an invitation to blessedness, to, to spiritual satisfaction in God. So think, friends, think privilege, not obligation. I want to leave you with privilege this morning. Jamie Smith ref references the book, The Little Prince, saying, quote, if you want to build a ship, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up people to collect wood and don't assign them tasks and work. Rather, teach them to long for the immensity of the sea. You hear that? If you want to build a ship, don't tell people, get to work, get some wood. Teach them to long to be on the ocean. I don't want to leave you with get to work. I want to leave you with a longing for the immensity of the sea, the privilege of communion with God. So think about this privilege with me a little bit. This is the privilege of communion with the God of all power who made the universe. Do you know if you took our solar system and you shrunk it down to the size of a one-foot ruler, try to imagine this. Our solar system, 12-inch ruler. Our sun would be a tiny dot, and the earth is 100 times smaller than the sun. And our galaxy, our galaxy, the Milky Way, would be bigger than the Pacific Ocean on that scale. And that's one galaxy amid billions in the universe. And this God with whom you have communion made it all. Infinite power. You get to communicate with him. Not only that, he's the God of infinite knowledge and infinite wisdom. Did you know that God created billions of species on earth that no one will see? Estimates, at least that I read, estimates are of 1.5 million different kinds of fungi species on the earth. Tens of thousands of kinds of roundworms are known, but there may be millions more kinds of roundworms to be discovered. And God knows each one. Each species of fungi he created. The God of infinite knowledge, infinite wisdom. You get to commune with him, relate to him, communicate with him. Are you starting to long for the immensity of the sea? Well, there's more. We have the privilege of communion with the infinitely holy one. The God the prophet Isaiah saw as angelic creatures proclaimed, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. This earth screaming out the glory of the holy one. And the prophet responds to the thrice holy God as any sane person should. He calls down curses on himself. Woe is me. And God provides atonement for his sin cleansing from the altar where the sacrifices were made. A beautiful picture, a beautiful reminder of the fact that we commune with the Holy One only through the sacrifice of God the Son. Only by the mercy and grace of God in 
Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection. Friends, never allow these disciplines to be your justification. The way you are declared righteous before God. You are declared righteous. You are justified by God and before God, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's the only way you're justified. Grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. Never let these disciplines be somehow your justification. Instead, let your communion with God take you to Jesus again and again and again. I read how the church father Irenaeus recounted learning from Polycarp. I dare you to name your child Polycarp. (laughs) Such a cool name. Irenaeus recounted learning from Polycarp, who was a disciple of John. So Polycarp, a disciple of the apostle John himself. Polycarp would recount to Irenaeus, quote, his familiar discussions with John and his familiarity with those who had seen the Lord. I read that, and I was jealous of Polycarp. Can you imagine? Polycarp, you got to hang out with the Apostle John and ask him anything. John, what was it like to see Jesus heal the sick and raise the dead? John, what were you thinking as Jesus fed thousands with a little bread and fish? John, what was it like to see Jesus hanging on the cross? John, what was it like to outrun Peter to the empty tomb? Wouldn't you love to be Polycarp and hear directly from one of Jesus' apostles? Well, that's what happens every time you open the New Testament. That happens every time. You don't need to be Polycarp to have that privilege. You get to commune with God and see his son. Every day you open the pages of scripture. You hear directly from those who walked with Jesus. Friends, are you longing for the immensity of the sea? Are you seeing the privilege of communion with God, fellowship with God, communication with God through Christ? See, I hope many things are good for you this year. I hope many things go well for you and for me in 2023. A good job, good finances, good vacation, good health, good relationships. I hope all those things are good for you this year. But are you seeing, friends, that Psalm 1 holds out something even better? A satisfied soul. A satisfied soul in Christ. Enjoying God. Enjoying God in his word, by his spirit, through his son. So that's my exhortation to us and to me. That's the takeaway, you might say. Enjoy communion with God this year. Enjoy communication with God himself in his word, by his spirit, through his son. Let's pray together. And then we will take the Lord's Supper for more communion with God. Would you pause and pray, please? And just respond to whatever the Holy Spirit might be putting on your heart. Maybe a way he wants to stir up fresh delight. 
maybe a way to savor and prioritize this privilege. Or maybe turning to Christ and trusting in him to bring you to God himself. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, help us to long for the immensity of the sea, to long to savor this privilege. We thank you for it. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son for this privilege. Thank you, God the Son, becoming incarnate to purchase this privilege. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for applying the good news of Christ to our hearts and lives, drawing us into this privilege. Grant that we be a people who savor you all the more this coming year, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church East County. Please find us online at gracechurcheast.org if you would like to find out more about us.